He's Amit Carr, and I'm Telly Concepcion, and together we are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. We go beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. So come learn, grow, and have some fun with us. We are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. On today's episode, the guys debate the dangers of the NCAA season. Are unpaid college basketball players at risk with all the unknowns during this basketball season? In NFL Nuggets, they go beyond the numbers of week 14 of the 2020 NFL season. They also go beyond the numbers of Santa and his reindeer friends. But first, their numbers of the day. Last week, my number was 1,608. That's over 26.8 hours of content that Spotify awarded us for. And we told you we made more than the 32 episodes that they were counting for that. Well, we did the calculations for you and drum roll, please. My number for today is 1,928 minutes. That amounts to 32.13 hours of content that we put together for you guys through last week, BTN 38, episode 38. Thank you for rocking with us. Tell you my number for the day, four. And the New York Giants went into week 13, the four seed in the NFC. They left the 12 seed. They've got the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys left on their schedule. They will be lucky to win any one of those games. The only thing they've successfully done this season is put themselves out of a top five pick in this year's draft. Before the business, Beyonders, it's time for Before the Business, where we answer your unanswered questions and find the numbers that went unfound in previous episodes. So first and foremost, we need to mention Keonti Johnson. Prayers to him and his family. He's a Florida Gator basketball player who collapsed on the court during a basketball game coming out of a timeout. We'll talk more on this in a bit. So let's talk about Amy Olson of the LPGA. Less than 48 hours before the final round, as Olson contended for her first career victory after going pro in 2013, Her father-in-law, Lee Olson, died unexpectedly. Olson's quote, coming out this morning, I had no idea what to expect. I felt very weak and helpless the last couple of days. I really believe the Lord just carried me through. It makes you realize how much bigger life is than golf. Uh, So shout out to Amy Olson. I know she's going through a tough time and she's in her Yeah, shout out. Amy, Amy does a lot. She spoke very well, very fondly of her father-in-law to carry that and have to go through a major tournament. I can't imagine. She also had a hat on on it that I noticed it said golf for Africa. So she works on bringing golf abroad, which is also pretty awesome. So shouts out to Amy and prayers for her and her family. Amit, we got a note from Sarah. She said, quote, my program was canceled. Thank you guys for highlighting this on the podcast and for pointing us to the 60 minutes piece. She said her program was canceled and wanted to thank us for highlighting the issue of secondary sports being canceled during this time. And she listened to both 
BTN 17 and BTN 38 last week. So thanks for rocking with us, Sarah. We thought it was important to share that information. Also, big shout out to Sarah Fuller, Amit. This past weekend, Sarah Fuller became the first woman to score in an NCAA football game. She kicked two extra points for Vanderbilt. Unfortunately, she won't have an opportunity to add to her total because Vanderbilt's game against Georgia for this week has been canceled. She was the goalie on the Vanderbilt women's soccer team. She said the guys embraced her. They all respected her. They respected what she could do on the field. It wasn't just a gimme. So shouts out to her for scoring. To the Commander in Chief Trophy. We told you guys about this on BTN 27. In the age of COVID, there only seems to be one certainty about the 2020 college football season. And that is that Air Force, Army, and Navy have pledged to conduct the Commander-in-Chief Trophy Series no matter what. At present, the Air Force 2020 schedule consists of two games at home against Navy on October 3rd and Army West Point on November 7th. Yeah, and we told you guys at the time that Navy coach Ken Niamatolo was upset, Amit, because he was saying, who the heck is Air Force and Army playing? Well, he won't have to worry about that anymore because this weekend was the Army-Navy game, Amit, and it was the first meeting between the teams at West Point since a 13-0 shutout Navy put up in 1943. The storied game is typically played at a neutral site like in Philly or Baltimore, but of course, covid Army won the game 15 to zero, their only shutout in the series that goes back over a hundred years. And it sets up an all or nothing game for the commander and chief trophy against Air Force coming up in the next weeks. Again, Air Force has just been waiting, licking their chops for either one of these teams. Vote Warnock. We told you about this and the WNBA in BTN 20, but with a runoff election coming up on January 5th, Let's recap for you here. Senator Kelly Loeffler, a WNBA co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, wrote a letter to the WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, objecting to the league's promotion of Black Lives Matter. The players do have a right to free speech. This is America after all. So the players are wearing Vote Warnock t-shirts. It's crazy, Ahmed. It worked. The WNBA women, they said, I think when all this stuff started happening, with her referring to Loeffler, we didn't want to feel like we were pawns. We can only control so much about what the league does. And so for us, we wanted it to be bigger than that. That's kind of been the theme this season. So we wanted to make sure we could still keep the focus on our social justice movement. And funny enough, Reverend Warnock is somebody who supports everything that we support and just happens to be running in the seat. So it just worked out really well. I'm not some political strategist, but what I do know is that voting is important. And I think our league has always encouraged people to use their voices and to get out the vote. And Williams was right, Amit. The vote did get out. Let's not forget that Senator Loeffler is also a part of a group of senators, both Republicans and Democrats, who've had their stock transactions heavily scrutinized over the past few months. Loeffler and her husband, who is the CEO of the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange, dumped millions of dollars in shares after she attended a closed-door Senate briefing on COVID in January. The couple also picked up investments in companies that have benefited 
from the pandemic. So remember to get out and vote and remember to vote Warnock. That's what the WNBA message is here. I'd like to shout out to all of those out there who are canvassing across Georgia for this runoff election to get people out to vote. Ben, who is a listener, has been out there for the last few weeks going door to door, talking to people, making sure they get out to vote, making sure they vote early, making sure they're properly registered. Um, So shout outs to all of those who are engaging in the democratic process. Shout out to Ben. Shout out to everybody in Georgia. Go vote. Shout out, Amit, to the 18-year-olds, the kids who have turned 18 since the election. They can vote now. Shouts out to y'all. Make sure you guys go out and vote. Big news here, Amit. Big, big news. This is exciting because we're going through a list, Amit. This is a theme. The pod has been all over it. We've been. We've told you guys about the Commander-in-Chief trophy. We told you guys about the Vote Warnock movement started by the women of the WNBA. And we told you guys some news about the Negro Leagues. In BTN 22, we celebrated the 100th year anniversary of the Negro Leagues. And I would encourage you all to please go back and listen to this episode. It's one Ahmed and I were both very passionate about. And we shared a couple of things with you guys during that episode. So we shared that the United States of America were once segregated. And so was baseball. So was baseball. So there was the Negro Leagues as they were not allowed to join in the major leagues at the time or major league baseball. We talked about this a bit in BTN 17 as well. when we talked about HBCUs, which are historically black colleges and universities should be noted. One of the big numbers we had was 35 in that there are 35 Negro league players in the baseball hall of fame of the 333 elected members. We also shared that five innovations that major league baseball took, borrowed, learned from the Negro leagues was one night baseball, two player movement, free agency, three aggressive base running, four batting helmets and five shin guards for catchers. The question we left you guys with was would the records ever be included on it in the major league record books? And we've got some breaking news for you guys now. This week, the NLB stated all of the players that played in the Negro Leagues would now be considered major leaguers. So all of their numbers, all of their stats would be included in the major league record books. So very, very exciting stuff. This is awesome. We talked about it, Ahmed. I know it was a question that you posed during that episode when we had our discussion. We're very glad and happy to see Major League Baseball taking this big step. Of course, there's going to take time to get all of that. A lot of the Negro League records were in newspapers and people have been gathering a lot of that data, historical data, and putting it together. And earlier this week, we had a discussion, Ahmed, and you said something very interesting about who might be the new home run king. Yeah, what's his name, Telly? Who, who's this guy that has over 800 home runs? Josh Gibson. That is correct. And potentially could be the new home run king. I know they said that they were going to integrate all the statistics and ensure that anyone that played in that time frame would be included in Major League Baseball stats. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see sort of how far back that goes and what they're going to include and what's verifiable and all of that. But 
still exciting. It, it's long overdue. The quality of the game in the Negro Leagues was just as good as Major League Baseball at the time. And Barry Bonds was chasing Josh Gibson the whole time. See, he was playing a different, he was playing chess. Everybody else was playing checkers. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And lastly, Telly, Giannis, according to you, still is going to the Warriors. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. But not yet. Not yet. No. He signed his five-year extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. I know. And he signed a $228 million Supermax extension with Milwaukee, the largest contract in NBA history, $632,928 per year. I think you and I could both agree is a lot of money. Oh man, I would love to be making that. Right? You know what I'm saying? You'd love to make <laughs> half of that, a tenth of that. Yeah, that's true. I'd take any any parts of that. Give me the that's how much dollars. I'm good with that. <laughs> That's how much Giannis will earn per game in the 2025-2026 season. That's crazy. And Giannis's max contract would have been for four years and only $145 million if he had gone elsewhere. His quote after signing this deal, Amit, was, I just want to have kids, be able to raise my kids, and win a championship. Then he said, after that, my life's complete. I can retire in five years. Nah, I'm joking. But really, though, you can raise a whole lot of kids with that kind of money. You can do a whole lot of good with that kind of money. And also, Ahmed, I told you, it's part of the the larger plan. You know, he had to sign the Supermax for 228 because the Warriors could only give him 145. So he's going to sign the Supermax with Milwaukee, play there for a year or two. Then he's going to come over to the Warriors. He's going to play with Steph. He's going to win two or three championships. Then he's going to retire. Then he's going to raise his kids. I agree. It makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Salary cap, soft salary cap. Who cares? Just, just if not the, the Knicks. If not the Knicks. If not no. us. The, the Knicks. Knicks. The Knicks will pick him up when he's in his forties. He's got plenty of time. Only if they sign his kids first. <laughs> That's right. It's got a whole lifetime ahead of him for that. Now let's get back to the business. For our first story, prayers to my brother, Keontae Johnson. He's a Gator, and the country has rallied behind him for a quick and speedy recovery. We don't know yet if it's COVID-19, but we did ask the question before sports started the season on it. What is it going to take for the NCAA to wake up? And what is it going to take for the NCAA to make changes to sports around the country? For those of you that don't know, Florida Gators and preseason SEC Player of the Year, Keontae Johnson, who's only 21, collapsed during the first half of Saturday's game and was removed from the court on a stretcher. He was unresponsive before being taken to Tallahassee Memorial Hospital. Johnson's grandfather, Larry Desjardins, told USA Today Johnson has been placed in a medically induced coma. Florida Athletic Director Scott Strickland said Wednesday, Johnson, who has been transferred to a hospital in Gainesville, has engaged with doctors and teammates for a second consecutive day. Florida has not confirmed whether Johnson tested positive for COVID-19 when the team had to pause team activities in November because of positive tests, but the Associated Press reported Johnson was one of several Florida players to test positive for the virus during the summer. 
John Calipari said, I would hope if there's something related to COVID, they'd let us all know because I've got a couple of kids that had it earlier. I would say every coach in the country would like to know if it was. The impact of a possible tie between Johnson's situation and COVID-19 has crossed players' minds as well. Kentucky freshman point guard Devin Askew said, what the world saw with him, it's scary. None of us really know a whole lot about COVID. We just know it's dangerous virus. We just know it's a dangerous virus and it can cause harm to people. It's scary. We've just got to be cautious and careful with the whole COVID thing. Wear a mask at all times to treat to try to prevent it. Wash your hands. Do everything you can. First and foremost, we should point out that we don't know if he had COVID-19, right? It was scary to watch. They didn't show it on TV. Um, I didn't have the game on, but I did see updates about it throughout the day. And we've been front and center about this since the beginning, right? Since episode two of the podcast, how dangerous the unknowns of the virus are and if it's worth putting college kids' lives at risk, especially since they don't get paid and especially because we know they don't get paid because we were both college athletes ourselves. But before we get started with the piece, you brought up some great points um, in our production meeting. And I want to make sure that we get those in here as well, because I think it's important to put together all the different points of view on this matter. You know, when we were talking about this, uh, my concern was, right, we don't know what this is from, right? We don't know if it's COVID related. Um, like there's been really no information out of the university um, and, and really from the family. But right, we know that he had COVID earlier or at least he tested positive for it earlier. Um, he may have. And so th that's part of, part of it, right? The Florida Gators had an outbreak on the team and part of the reporting and the stories we're reading they're not 100% sure if he's one of the Florida Gator players who tested positive. But and so we know basketball teams only have 15 guys on them, right? So if there's an outbreak on the team, chances are, right? And the grandfather said he had it. The parents have since come out and said only what we say and the school's representatives count. And so I think that's where there's added confusion in this story. The, the problem, and I think the AP reported that he was one of several players who tested positive during the summer. Right? Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. But either way, right, it's interesting to hear players say not a lot of us know a whole lot about COVID because, I mean, we, we do know a whole lot about it <laughs> in many ways. Right. There's the, the amount of knowledge we have today, last week, month ago is, is quite a bit compared to February and March when this thing first hit. Right. The dangers are fairly clear. The risks are fairly clear. You know, the conversation that I brought up with you is right. We don't want to equate the seriousness of this situation and automatically post it on COVID and say, well, he got COVID. That's why all of this is happening. Right, because if we find out down the road it's not COVID, I don't want this to be a, well, look, you're piling all of it together, right? Because you got to think of it from my, in my perspective, if this had happened last year, would this have been as big a news story? This happened in the middle of a nationally televised game. He's a Florida Gator and SEC player of the year. I think it would have been a big story, but obviously with COVID, it's a much larger story this year than it would have been last year. So to that point, 
I see. Now with the students, like the, the athletes, I got to rewind back to my 18, 19, 20 year old self. And when they say we don't know much about it, I don't know that it's not that the science is not out there. I think at that point, really, we trust the university and the school to give us like factual information. And we kind of take what they say. I'll equate it to being a football player, right? If they don't tell us about concussions or if they tell us we're fine in practice when you feel dizzy and woozy, okay, and pass out, then you take the medical staff or the coach's word for it that it's like, okay, just suck it up. I'm good to go versus uh, this may be a little more serious than we think. And there's been precautions put in place now, but from a student athlete perspective, I understand what they're saying when they say like, well, we don't really know much about it. There's a lot known about the virus, how it spreads and, and what it does in the short term. I think what we've been discussing on the podcast is that there's not a lot of information about the long-term effects and how it affects people of the different ages and also how people can get myocarditis as well and how that can affect you, especially if you're an athlete. Well, yeah, and, and there are a lot of long-term unknowns, right? So we have no idea what's gonna happen five, 10 years from now. I mean, we'll find yeah. out in five or 10 years and we could look back and, and have the conversation at that point of, wow, glad it wasn't as bad or dang, we really messed up one or the other. But I think coaches and, and universities have been given the rundown pretty well, right? Of what could happen, what the possibilities are. And this, I think we can all agree, has been a money push, right? This is yeah, all about bringing money in. 100%. We've covered that on the podcast since jump, since the start, you know? So I, I don't, it's disingenuous for a coach or anyone to say, well, we need to know what's happening because we're worried about the safety of our players. You know the, the safety of the players and, and the possibility of things going bad, we knew that in April, May. So this is not anything new for them to all of a sudden, well, we need to know what it is because, you know, I've got kids there and I'm worried what could happen. You know what could happen. Everyone's rolling the dice that for the majority of people, it won't happen. And there's so much money involved that if it does happen to a few people, you say a prayer, you're sorry, and you keep going. We've said since the beginning, it's a money grab. The other thing we've said is what is it going to take for the NCAA, right, to take this serious or to not put the kids in danger? Because at that age, you do trust your coach and you do trust the staff, right? And at that age, you don't see it as a money grab. You know, you don't see yourself as a dollar sign catching footballs, making tackles. You don't see yourself as a dollar sign shooting basketballs through hoops. But that's how the school sees you. You are a dollar sign that the school gets to collect on. And by the way, I have a bad back now. The school is not calling me and checking up on me now to see how I feel on a day-to-day -day basis and how my back's doing. When I was a football player, yes. As soon as I was not, no. And I got a lot, a lot of other guys who played who are much more higher profile players than I was who have, you know, the same similar issues or have been turned away by the university once they try to go back. So we wanted to bring you both sides of the coin. Ahmed brought up some good points before we started the piece. So I wanted to get our conversation on wax, like they say, make sure that we get all sides of it on here for you guys to hear. And like we said, we're, we don't want to come off as insinuating he had COVID, this happened to him because he had COVID. 
but we're having this conversation to say this could happen to student athletes there's a possibility of this happening to student athletes and what is the ncaa doing or what can they do to make sure this doesn't happen to student athletes exactly right and it's it's about understanding the risk and then and then going with that you saw that happen in all the major sports where athletes have hey i got a problem not playing this year i'm out very different in college basketball and in college sports yeah and it's different because like you said the pros had a choice you could opt out david price opt out his team wins the world series right uh um eight guys on the new england patriots opted out they have that choice but that's also their profession where they get paid and my argument has been since the start of this you could tell a college student he can opt out but i could tell you ahmed as a walk-on if i opted out quote unquote i would be not be able to opt back into the florida gators football program once i felt comfortable or safer once we were on the other side of this and i'm sure there's guys that aren't trevor lawrence or high profile guys who might want to opt out. And then the coach, when they opt back in, is like, sorry, you're third string now. Sorry, I'm not going to play you. Sorry, I don't know if you're going to be here for this team if you couldn't be with us during the COVID time, you know? And that puts a lot of pressure on a kid because he's trying to better himself, his family, he's trying to earn his scholarship, or if it's a walk on for love of the game. So is there a choice there really for the college student or college student athlete? <laughs> and that's really, really what we're trying to get to. But we can start the piece now. We just wanted to include those parts of the conversation so you guys know and get all perspectives and sides on it. We're not saying COVID equals what happened in this case to Keontae Johnson. They're still investigating what is the cause of his collapse. So nationally, the pandemic continues to rage. Um, they've been talking about this on the news and a lot of scientists in the scientific community were at roughly 200,000 plus daily cases in the United States, an increase of 30% over the past two weeks. 2,400 people a day are dying, which is up 67% for the same period. And we know that hospitals around the country are getting slammed with ICUs nearing capacity. Staffing shortages are real. Healthcare workers are falling ill and some even leaving the profession or hospital providers after being exhausted, pleading for, for help from the community to take the situation more seriously and stay home. Anthony Fauci, who is in fact an infectious disease expert and has been leading our national COVID effort, uh, the, World, the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Control all have recommended restricting large gatherings, prioritizing outdoor activities over indoor ones, and distancing six feet or more from those not living in your same household. They recommended limiting attendance at indoor training sessions, as well as wearing masks. So these are all things that Dr. Fauci, along with all the largest health organizations, have been saying for quite a while. Um, and unfortunately, playing basketball indoors pretty much uh, is the opposite of all of that. Not only that, but you got to travel to different cities on it, stay in hotels. You're visiting different school campuses and facilities. Then you're going back to your own campus or your own college community. And none of that really makes sense medically and quite frankly is dangerous the argument has been you know air and social distance keep your distance you'll be fine and if you're out if you're outside it's all good what we're learning now is that covid air lingers and is thin enough to go through some sorts of masks 
and there's been studies published on this. So aerosols are tiny. You know, they're nearly a ten. They're nearly ten thousand times smaller than a human hair, and they spread at a far greater di- at far greater distances. You know, twenty to thirty feet, uh, and can linger in the air for minutes to hours, uh, infecting others. And what constitute a safe distance from an aerosol is much harder to find, uh, harder to define, especially in crowded indoor spaces with poor ventilation. Uh, choosing a safe mask becomes difficult as well, as N95 respirators, for example, would be preferable to an ill-fitting cloth mask uh, when it comes to filtering out these minuscule viral aerosols. 239 scientists from 32 different countries wrote an open letter to the WHO in July, urging the agency to recognize that airborne transmission of COVID by small aerosol particles are possible. But I don't think that uh, the WHO or the CDC have come out saying that they have confirmed this. Aerosol carry of the virus means that any indoor area where people gather numbers. So think about a restaurant, a bar, a church, a school, a pep rally, a basketball game is potentially a spreader of the disease. And depending upon the numbers, a super spreader. These are likely places with poor ventilation where people not only are close together, but they may be speaking really loud, shouting, singing, cheering, booing, all the things you do at a sporting event. Again, football is played outdoors, but basketball is played indoors in a confined space. Hopefully, though, we hope and like we told you guys at the top, we want to bring you all the information and our prayers are with Keontae Johnson and his family first and foremost. Hopefully it turns out being something that Coach John Calipari talked about this week, Amit, and nothing more than that. One of the greatest Knicks of all time. One of my favorite Knicks, Amit. I'm sure Kentucky basketball coach Calipari did have a flashback from almost 25 years ago when he heard this story of what's going on because he was coaching at UMass and Calipari experienced a similar situation with then-star Marcus Camby collapsing before a January 1996 game against St. Bonaventure. Calipari did not coach in the game, instead accompanying Camby to a local hospital. And Calipari said this past Tuesday, um, when he was asked about his reaction to Johnson's medical emergency, they never found out what it was, referring to Camby's situation. The rest of the season, I was really conscious of him, especially when he first came back. If he went down and grabbed his knee, my stomach was in my throat. It was something obviously, but he played the rest of the year and he was terrific 17 years in the NBA. So let's just hope it's the same. Yeah, hopefully it is the same. Hopefully is nothing more serious than that. Again, we wanted to bring you guys the information about Keontae Johnson and some of the new information that's come out about COVID. It's time for our new segment, NFL Nuggets, where we go beyond the numbers and bring you the stories within the story of the stories that matter within the NFL. F 
NFL Nuggets behind the numbers of week 14. Amit, we've made it this far. We really didn't think we would make it this far. The NFL regular season is now 81% complete. There's been 207 games played. There's 49 remaining and zero games left to be rescheduled. Actually, 48 games remaining since Baltimore-Cleveland happened. And there's zero games left to be rescheduled. Nobody get too comfy. The odds are in the NFL's favor to play 17 regular season weeks as scheduled. And Amit, the Baltimore-Cleveland game I just referenced, what a game on Monday night football this week. It was the first 47-42 final score in NFL history. That's over 100 years of history right there. There were 89 combined points, most in a game this season, third highest total on Monday Night Football, and it was the most combined rushing touchdowns at nine in Monday Night Football history, and the first time there's been nine rushing touchdowns in an NFL game since 1922. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson went back for cramps, and his and his replacement slipped and possibly tore his ACL. But then here oh, comes so Lamar Jackson out of the tunnel in time to convert a fourth and seven for a touchdown to take the lead. We Superman, also- bum, bada, bum. That's right. <laughs> he just ran out the tunnel like crazy. And Lamar Jackson pretty much was running all night. He had the most rushing yards in Monday Night Football history, and he has eight 100 rush games, two behind Vic, and the Ravens' 18th game with 200-plus rushing yards since 2018. The next closest team has half in the Tennessee Titans. The Titans only have nine 200 rush games in that time. I mean, the Ravens have 18. That's crazy to be leading a team by double the amount in that stat. You know who the other two most rushing yards on Monday Night History performance are? Russell Wilson is number two on that list. Donovan McNabb is number three on that list. And I would I would have thought Vic would be on that list. Michael Vick was not on that list. And Lamar Jackson, like you said, only has two games to catch Vic for most 100-yard rushing games by a quarterback ever. The Browns, Ahmed, played well. We can't even knock them. They were playing their butts off this game. Still came back after Lamar came out the tunnel. Still got the lead after that. Baker Mayfield marched him down the field after he went through the metal detector and took out his keys and wallet like he does in his commercial and cleans all the seats at the stadium. Either team could have won this game, but, and a big but here, Ahmed, Cleveland gonna be Cleveland. To add insult to injury, since the move, and for those of you that don't know, the Cleveland Browns owner moved the team to Baltimore and named them the Ravens. Since that move, Ahmed, since he ripped the Cleveland Browns hearts out, the Browns are 0-7 versus the Ravens in primetime games. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson's pre-cramp and post-cramp situation real quickly. Lamar Jackson threw three quarters against the Browns was 6 of 11 with 81 passing yards. Then he comes back post-cramp, and in two minutes after returning, he is 5 of 6 with 82 yards and one passing touchdown. Needed some Gator. He needs some IVs in the back. That's all he needed to get back right. 
So time to talk about the studs, Ahmed. And besides Lamar, besides Lamar, we got to start with Jalen Hurts, who ran for 106, threw for 167, didn't throw a pick, wasn't sacked, and turned it over only once in his first NFL start on a strip tackle and got the win for the Eagles. So shout out to Jalen Hurts. He got a win for the team. Nobody thought could get wins right now. Yeah, and we talked about Carson Wentz last week and how the Eagles haven't even started paying his mega contract. But if the Eagles were to trade him after June 1st, 2021, he would count for $19.27 million on the cap for Philly in 2021 and then 24.5 million in dead cap money in 2022 when the cap should finally be rising again. What is dead money, right? For it's those when of you, you pay Carlson Wentz money, <laughs> but you got a Jalen Hurts who can ball out and that's now right. you don't know what to do with Carlson Wentz. Is that what dead money is? That's exactly what dead money is. <laughs> dead money is essentially the salary cap space a team must allocate to a particular player who has been cut. It serves as a device to ensure that every dollar a team has paid players is eventually allocated to the team's salary cap. So it's essentially dead money is, I paid this guy, he's not here anymore, but I still gotta pay this guy, he's out. <laughs> we shared with you guys last week that Carlson Wentz signed a four year, $124 million contract that doesn't start till next year. And Jalen Hurts comes in his first game and already balls out. <laughs> the Saints, Amit, went 50 straight games without allowing a single 100-yard rusher. The Eagles had two of them in one game. A one, Mr. Jalen Hurts, we just told you guys about, 106 rushing yards. And Miles Sanders, who had 115 rushing yards. You cannot talk about rushing or rushing yards without talking about Derek Henry, the Mack truck, has four career games of 200 or more rushing yards, two or more touchdowns, which is the most in NFL history. Yeah, so there's three 1,000-yard rushers this season so far. Derrick Henry, who you just brought up, who has a $15 million salary in 2020 and was drafted 45th in the 2016 draft. Dalvin Cook, who has a $16.3 million salary in 2020 and was drafted 41st in the 2017 draft. And, and I don't know if you know this name, James Robinson, who has a salary of 615K this year and was undrafted in 2020. Do you know James Robinson? I don't, but I know that he's gonna be making less than Giannis makes per game That's all right. year this year. That's right. But James Robinson is the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh yeah, I don't watch that team. I don't even get my team out here in California. I mean, they don't even show me Bucks games and we got Thomas and Gronk and all the rest. You think I get Jag games out here? No, but I'm just saying oh. <laughs> there is a thousand yard rusher that everyone's slipping on. Well, running backs that don't get paid and don't get credit to quarterbacks that do, that bad man Aaron Rodgers has 39 passing touchdowns, four interceptions this season. It should be noted that Packers punter J.K. Scott has only punted the ball 38 times this season. 
There have only been two instances in NFL history of a quarterback throwing 40 or more touchdowns with fewer than eight interceptions over a full season. I'm Aaron Rodgers in 2016, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Aaron Rodgers, 2011, 45 touchdowns, six interceptions. That's a bad man. That's a bad man. And speaking of uh, not so bad man, but still a quarterback, this dude Mitch, can't. She shouldn't even be in the same sentence. I mean, we got. We should talk about something else first, and then come back to this because this dude can't be in the same sentence as we're breathing the same air talking about Aaron Rodgers. All right, calm down, Stephen A. Calm down. Mitch Trubitsky came to play against the Texans. Turns out, the Texans going to be the Texans. Mitch Trubitsky, two hundred and sixty-seven passing yards, three touchdowns. What a game he had against the Texans. And speaking of games, we talk about wins and losses a lot. And I don't think they tell the whole story for a quarterback. And here's why. If we look at win-loss ratios and rates, Mitch Trubitsky has a 574 win-loss ratio. That's 27 and 20. Deshaun Watson, 560 win ratio, 28 and 22. Mitch is not a better quarterback than Deshaun. But he was on Sunday. He was on Sunday. And Miami Xavier Howard has more interceptions than the following teams, Amit. He has nine interceptions. He has more picks than the Broncos, the Packers, the Ravens, the Bears, the Lions. Oh my, the Cowboys, the Panthers, the Eagles, the Texans. So that is a little ridiculous right there. Nine picks on the season. And my stud of the day, Amit, this story was pretty amazing. This game I got to watch, Hassan Reddick from the Arizona Cardinals. He's a fourth-year pass rusher. He grew up in New Jersey. He went to school at Temple. He went back to New Jersey and had himself a day. He had a career-high five sacks in the 26-7 win over the Giants, which is huge considering that in his previous 60 games as a pro, he had only 12 and a half sacks. Take that for data. On to the duds. Since you did bring up the Giants, it only makes sense that we easily go into duds. On Sunday, December 6th at 11.30 a.m., the Steelers at 11-0 had a 98% chance to win the AFC North and a 55.3% chance to win the AFC's top seed. Fast forward to Sunday, December 12th at 11.30 p.m., the Steelers are 11-2, have an 89% chance to win the AFC North and only a 5% chance to win the AFC's top seed. Speaking of your Giants, Ahmed, the Giants went from a 48% playoff shot before Sunday to only a 17% playoff shot after losing to the Arizona Cardinals. The Las Vegas Raiders went from a 45% chance to only a 26% chance. And Miami, the Miami Dolphins dropped from 49% to only 39%. It's back to normal for the New York football teams because their foes on the West Coast outscored them 66. The Jets and the Giants combined scored 10. That's right. The Jets and the Giants combined for 10. 
Yeah, the Giants Their scored seven and the Jets scored three. For 66. Sorry, Sean. But let's move on to kickers. The Vikings kicker, Dan Bailey, went 0 for 3 on field goals and 0 for 1 on extra points. He is the first player in over 55 years to miss at least three field goals and an extra point without a single make. Bailey has missed seven kicks over the past two games. I can't imagine he will be employed for too much longer. No, the coach came out after the game. This was the Bucks game. The Bucks beat the Vikings, and the Mike Zimmer came out after the game and said, if I fired every guy who didn't do his job, I would have no players left. So we'll see how long he lasts. I agree. You have one job. Put the ball through the uprights, and he ain't doing that right now. But, we'll but thank you. We'll take the win. The Chiefs have scored 31 points, so they're getting their job done, right? Two minutes, 49 seconds. 31 points. The Jets, on the other hand, have not gotten the job done. They have scored three points in a total of two games or 120 minutes versus the same Miami Dolphins this season. Need we remind you, as we talked about last week, that the coach of that team is still employed in the NFL and two black quarterbacks with winning winning percentages, winning records, were fired in the NFL. Now, for the first time since 2008, the Patriots will not win the AFC East, Ahmed. It's also the first time in 18 years that the Patriots will finish the season without double-digit wins. Wow, wow, wow. The Washington football team was outgained by 151 total yards against the 49ers this past week. They also failed to score an offensive touchdown, but they still beat the Arizona 49ers 23 to 15. Ezekiel Elliott, Zeke's rushing yards per game have decreased every year since being drafted. So for all you Cowboys fans out there that are really excited that he got signed for a lot of money. And as we know, the Dak Prescott money went to Zeke first. So let's just look at how it's worked out. 2016, Zeke gets on onto the field. First NFL season, 108.7 yards per game. 2017, all right, 98.3. 2018, 95.6, 2019, 84.8 yards a game. And then 2020, 64 yards a game so far. Not gonna cut it for as much money as he's getting paid. Dak, pay that man Prescott. That's all I got to say, pay that man, pay that man, pay that man. And I'm it finally, and we shouts out to Sean, man. I feel bad. Sean is a huge Jets fan. Sean, I suffered with you. I'm a Bucks fan. You know, we had a lot of down years. But there can be nothing more Jetsy about the 2020 season than the trifecta last week of the bad Greg Williams call, the sacking of Greg Williams, then naming as its Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee a player who the Jets cut 22 days earlier. Pierre Desaire was let go November 17th for, quote, poor performance. He's a tremendously enlightened and generous person and got the nomination when the NFL announced the 32 team candidates last week. Oh, and by the way, he now plays for the Baltimore Ravens. There really was no one in the Jets organization who said, hey, we should nominate the second best guy for this award or at least someone who actually plays for us. I will mention again, the head coach of that team is still employed and two black head coaches with winning records are not. 
for what it's worth, they have to keep him employed. They need that Trevor Lawrence pick. I just hope he doesn't think he's going to be coaching Trevor Lawrence next year. Now they're going to bring in Dabo Sweeney for that. (laughs) So for our final story, we're talking about Christmas numbers. And our numbers are 1.5, 7.7, 3, 93.7, and 520.5 billion homes will have to be visited by Santa. Approximately 7.7 billion presents. 3 billion cookies will be eaten. 93.7 million gallons of milk. And 520 billion calories based on one glass of milk and two cookies per household. Yeah, bring in the kids for this story, for this piece that we're bringing you guys all about Santa and Christmas. For those that don't know, for those of you celebrating Hanukkah, we know it ended this past Friday, December 18th, and we all hope that you had a wonderful Hanukkah. For those of you celebrating Christmas, it is coming up next Friday. So an early Merry Christmas to all of you out there. With that in mind, we'd like to share some totally real and verified Christmas statistics for you that our research team has dug up for the week. So again, grab the kiddos and check out these numbers we have for you. We gave you all the numbers behind all the travel and all the food he'll be eating. Let's take a look at Santa's challenging workout requirements to burn off those billions of extra calories he takes in that one day. If jolly old St. Nick runs at a six mile an hour pace, which is a decent pace, he'll have to run for 47,033 years. If Kris Kringle decides, hey, you know what? Biking is the way to go. A steady biking pace of 24, or sorry, 12 miles an hour would burn all of those calories that he tacked on in 59,989 years. And if St. Nick decided let's hit that Stairmaster, it would only take him 119,377 years to burn all those calories off. We're gonna have to do the calculations in case Santa got a Peloton for Christmas himself from from Mrs. Claus. She might've got him a Peloton, wants him to hop on, take some classes so they could spend more quality time together working on their fitness. But with that said, we cannot forget about the reindeer. They're the whole key to this operation. And looking after Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Bixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen is not cheap, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, it costs $70,785 a year to feed all eight reindeer the 6,437 pounds of moss they need. The cost goes when you add Rudolph into the mix. It's definitely going to cost more once you add that extra reindeer. Also, you know, you need a little extra fuel for the for the little tank he has in his nose. That's why it glows. That's true. It's nice That's and red. True. So he eats a little bit of extra. You got to put some cayenne pepper on top of his moss. Well, there you so go. He can get that light going. And uh, like I said, we hope you all have a wonderful Christmas coming up. And for those of you who celebrated Hanukkah, we hope you had a happy Hanukkah. 
Thanks for listening. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to all the listeners of Beyond the Numbers podcast. Ask your mommies and daddies if they've been good boys and girls, and have they gone beyond the numbers of sports each and every week with Ahmed and Telly on Beyond the Numbers podcast. Ho, ho, ho. So let's wrap this thing up. First of all, wow. We had a special guest hop on at the end of our last segment. Santa knew my wish was to have him join us on the podcast. Telly, I don't know how you got him, but good for you. Thank you, Santa. You made my wish come true. First sports podcast to get him on the show. What are the chances? What are the chances? Amazing, busy time of year. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, I think both of our wish was to have Santa come on the podcast. So thank you, Santa, for granting our wish and coming on the podcast. That was pretty amazing. Our other wish, Santa, is for this whole COVID situation to be over so we can go back outside and play. We shared with you guys that Florida Gator Keontae Johnson collapsed on the court during a game. He's doing much better now, thankfully. And we don't know whether it is COVID related or not but we wanted to share the dangers of playing in the NCAA at this time when there are a lot of unknowns. In NFL Nuggets, we went beyond the numbers of week 14. Lamar running out of the tunnel like Superman to come in and take a lead on this Monday Night Football this past week. And Carson Wentz losing his job to Jalen Hurts. And of course, Derrick Henry just keeps on trucking. And I see what you did there, Alabama, two Alabama guys. Finally, we wanted to share the numbers around Santa's trip around the world, how much Santa has to eat when you leave cookies and milk out for him, and how much it takes to feed the reindeer. And Santa joined us for part of the segment to ask if your parents have been naughty or nice, and to be sure to ask them and all of your friends if they've gone beyond the numbers of sports this week and each and every week just to make sure they stay on the nice list. And as you know, we're continuing to try to grow this pod, so be sure you share it, text it, put it on people's Facebook walls. If you can, hop on to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, spread the word so that we can add more people to the conversation and keep it going. Especially Santa, he heard about us because we've been balling and cranking these podcasts out every week. So it reached the North Pole. Our voices have been heard, but with your help, we can get our reach even further than that. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Thank you for going beyond the numbers with us. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to going beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening on now, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe button to get our latest content. And remember, you can find us on Instagram, Beyond the Numbers Podcast, and on Twitter, at Beyond TN Podcast. Till next time, peace. peace.